is uh, District 20B State Representative Todd Lippert. Todd, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Very good. Good, good. Have you had a... Uh, a long week, at least the first few days of the week. Did yeah, I've been awake for more of this week than I often am. Um, but yeah, we we got the budget done, so um, so that feels good. But we put in a lot of time. We have a lot to talk about with that budget, so we'll get into that in just a moment. But uh, I want to ask you just first, uh, not as a representative of the Democratic Party or the state legislature, but for you, uh, wins and losses, or there there seemed to be a spirit of compromise this year. Somewhat between the uh, parties, it kind of took to the last minute. But uh, you know, what are the things that that you saw that you liked out of that, and and what what compromises were made that uh, you would like to have seen? You know, maybe go your way. Uh, it's definitely you know we're the only divided state legislature in the country, and so this is definitely a compromise budget. And um, you know, I think in what I feel very very good about is we. Uh, we were focused on helping Minnesotans rebuild from the pandemic, helping families, helping students, helping small businesses. Uh, and we have key pieces in place uh, to help with that. Uh, $250 million going uh, to essential workers uh, who are working through the pandemic. We have a, a panel that will be uh, sorting out how to how that money is distributed. We'll go back into September in September to sign off on that. The most funding we've had for schools in 15 years um, which is a significant accomplishment. So making sure we're supporting our schools and our students and our teachers who have been through so much. Uh, significant support uh, still for small businesses, small business relief, for broadband. Uh, so those are some key pandemic measures. I think as we move to um, uh, you know another huge issue for our, us in Minnesota, police reform, um, after the shooting of George Floyd and Dante Wright, uh, that's definitely a compromise area too. And there, there we wanted some more reforms um and definitely members of the caucus felt like we didn't meet that moment when the world was watching us um there are good reforms in place but but we wanted more as the dfl there's no doubt about that also um climate legislation uh we wanted to move faster there we pushed as hard as we could and i felt like uh, I was able to work to get some wins in some areas where um, Republicans were in agreement and we could we could move the needle. Uh, but we definitely wanted some more uh, in the climate change space, too. Representative Lippert is with us from uh, District 20B. Let's uh, kind of go through a budget a little bit and, and see, uh, get some of the highlights from you. There, Once again, there are so many things passed. as a $52 billion um, uh, budget over the uh, course of the uh, biennium, but, uh, so let's kind of dig in a little bit. Uh, give us some of the highlights. Sure. Um, so, you know, a third of the budget is education, a third of the budget is mm-hmm. health and human services, and another third is kind of everything else. In education, uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, the most funding we've had in 15 years. So we have 2.45% and 2% on the per-pupil funding formula, which is really a foundation for uh, uh, funding our schools. And so, um, you know, that we felt good about that. We actually came back from conference with a higher number than we, we passed in the House bill. Now, now that uh, money that goes into the uh, uh, general formula, I understand. Right. So that basically allows schools, districts to do with it as they see fit, as, as what they need in that particular district. Am I correct in assuming that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that's it's just the the basic uh, funding that's flexible funding that schools can can use for for the things that they need. Um, and 
so that goes into the formula. It's distributed to schools across the state, um, but the and and the the struggle each biennium is is you know how high that number is going to be, mm-hmm. and we felt good about where we ended up with that number. Um, and the House bill had a higher posi- had more money in it for schools than the Senate bill did, uh, but we were able to get even more. Um, as we as we came back from conference, as as larger negotiations happen, there's also um, you know a significant challenge for school budgets has to do with special education and um, English. Those students who are uh, learning English, English uh, language learners, there's cross subsidies in both of those areas. So uh, the federal government re- has requirements for it, but they're not. The federal government isn't paying as much as they should, and so then. Um, Unless the state fills that gap, schools are really struggling and having to cut their budgets, and we're seeing that across the state. So we have some funding to help with uh, special education and ELL. Um, we wanted it to be ongoing funding. Uh, the Senate Republicans blocked that, and so uh, schools will still be facing pressure as they look at their budgets down the road, uh, but at least there's some funding in place right now. Um, health and Human Services, some some key highlights. Uh, one is uh, cost of living, uh, cost of living adjustment for uh, families who receive um, MFIP, which we we would think of as as welfare benefits. So we haven't had a cost of living adjustment with those benefits um, to this point, and so uh, those dollars have just been reduced and reduced and reduced over time. And families uh, are having finding less and less support. So that will be very important for families who uh, are in the most vulnerable situation in the state of Minnesota. Um, also, we, we had a focus on personal care assistance. It's something that I worked on quite a bit. We have $250 million overall uh, for personal care assistance, um, and $70 million is, is related to something that I focus on, which is a rate framework reform. Uh, that'll put personal care assistance on uh, the path to a living wage as well. And so those are some highlights in, in you know, two of the big areas of the state budget, health care um, and also education. Let's talk about the other one third. Uh, now, there's, as you had mentioned, there's a lot of different areas of the uh, final one third, uh, and that's kind of where the uh, where the shutdown would have been noticed uh, this weekend in, in parks and in, in uh, government offices and such. But uh, what was uh, what was done there? So, um, in the other, you know, the other third of the budget, uh, we have uh, higher education. We had. Um, you know, significant funding in in higher education, including significant funding for uh, the state grant program, which is important for private colleges like St. Olaf and Carleton, uh, helping them uh, provide access to more students across the state. Uh, areas where I work, do a lot of work, are in agriculture, in the environment, also in uh, in energy. In the uh, agriculture bill, I was excited to see that we and and environment too. We were able to get uh, just over a million dollars for soil health grants for farmers. Farmers want to be uh, putting these sorts of practices on the land. They're good to, for uh, the soil uh, being more resilient in the face of extreme weather that we're seeing from climate change, whether it's drought or or flooding. Um, so that was exciting to see. It's good for good for water quality too. Um, I had legislation related to accelerating tree planting. So we have $6 million for that. Um, we need to do two things. We need to respond to emerald ash borer in cities across the state and uh, thinking about 
uh, how we respond to uh, Amber Lash Borer and State Forests going forward. And then also uh, our forests, we need to be a partner to sequester as much carbon as possible. Um, and so we need to be thinking about how our forests can do more and more of that. And so accelerating tree planting is going to be a big part of that there. The uh, clean cars legislation or rulemaking is still in the state budget. That was really kind of the uh, point of contention for possible shutdown. Uh, we said we need to we need to keep that in place. Fourteen other states have that, and um, there are more and more uh, Minnesotans want access to electric vehicles, and this will make sure that we have access in Minnesota, like like some other states do. Uh, so those are um, those are some of the highlights. Uh, I'll I'll talk about. Uh, the tax bill a little bit too. That was one that we we just passed. Um, that was our the last bill we passed. We have full f- full federal conformity and forgiveness for PPP loans for businesses across the state who took those loans. Full forgiveness for unemployment benefits that came through. Um, so people will not be taxed on either of those. And then uh, something unique in this tax bill, we have twenty million dollars in support that will go to counties for homelessness prevention. And uh, this is something that's been a painful issue. Uh, Youth homelessness has been a painful issue in in the Northfield area. Um, And homelessness is an issue in cities across the state too. So for uh, small cities, uh, larger cities, we're trying to do everything we can to keep um, a safe place to live um, for Minnesotans. And so I'm excited to see that provision, especially coming out of the pandemic. Let's talk about the uh, tax forgiveness for just a moment or so. Uh, it's all oh, 4th of July holiday weekend right now. Most people have uh, paid taxes or maybe filed an extension or something by now. Is that going to be retroactive if you've already paid your taxes on unemployment that you received in 2020? Will you be getting an additional refund? How will that ha- Do you know how that's going to happen yet? Uh, so it, it will be retroactive. I believe um, uh, the tax chair was, was talking about this. I think the... Uh, Department of Minnesota Department of Revenue will be uh, will be reaching out to uh, businesses about that. So I, I would just encourage folks to talk with um, talks with talk with your tax advisor on that uh, to make sure that that you're aware of the of a way this will be distributed. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a key you know a key priority. This was um, a key part of the compromise. So we'll make sure that those dollars get out. All right. Uh, Representative Lippert is with us. Uh, we're talking about the legislative session, which uh, special session, which ended a couple of days ago, uh, just in the nick of time. We got everything passed, and there's no shutdowns this weekend, folks, so you can go ahead and make your, your plans if you want to visit a state park or do anything involving the state. Uh, it's going to be open. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, bonding. No bonding bill this year That's correct. Uh, which is you know this is traditionally a budget uh year and we have traditionally a bonding year coming up next year but you can really do that uh, as far as the bonding goes you can do that at any time is that disappointing for you is that uh, is, is is it something that uh is definitely over with now if you have any more special sessions for any reason could you uh, address that so the the bonding uh, failure to get a bonding bill done now uh, was uh, was a bit of a disappointment. It just kind of got pushed to the side as so many other conversations needed to be wrapped up. I do think there's a uh, there's a possibility a bonding bill could still be negotiated between now and September when it looks like we'll be going in for a special session. So um, I think that conversation is continuing. Um, and so that's just been put off into the future a bit. Another, <clears throat> another th- key 
thing to mention is uh, that the emergency powers, um, uh, the state of emergency for the state of Minnesota uh, related to the pandemic has come to a close uh, as of July 1st. So that was that was um, a huge debate, obviously. And uh, that means that the legislature won't be going back into special session um, the middle of each month. So we won't be going in July 14th uh, or August 14th. And um, that, you know, that's another sign of us kind of moving out, moving out of the pandemic. And, um, you know, it, it was the right time. And our focus in the House DFL was making sure that we were making that transition in an orderly way uh, so that we're protecting uh, SNAP benefits and, and what we're receiving from the federal government there, uh, protecting our ability to do uh, vaccinations and protect that federal support. So we felt like we had an orderly transition also uh, related to the housing eviction moratorium uh, that we had a good off ramp providing people time to find a new place to live um, uh, once once the peacetime emergency is ending. So um, that was another key piece of negotiations and, and a good accomplishment, I think. Yeah, let's talk about those emergency powers, because that was quite a controversy, I guess, over the course of the last six, eight months. Uh, the Republicans, of course, uh, wanted the governor to end that. But in the bottom line is, if we do have another pandemic or some type of a state of emergency, will the governor, regardless of its, uh, if it's the current governor, a, a Democrat or a Republican future, uh, were those powers changed at all? Do they still have the ability to act uh, in the same way that uh, Governor Walz has acted in the, in the past year? So Chapter 12 in state law is still is still there, um, and that's what allows for um, governors to declare state of emergency and be able to uh, take quick action, whether it's um, you know a natural disaster, a tornado, or um, or something else, uh, or a pandemic. And so those powers are still there. Uh, the governor can still act. Our our focus was um, winding down this this peacetime emergency and trying to do that in the most thoughtful uh, way possible to make sure we're still protecting Minnesotans as we're coming out of this. All right. Uh, I guess lastly, uh, what's what's up uh, the second half of 2020, uh, 2021 actually, uh, for uh, Representative uh, Libert? So um, my focus uh, right now, you know, like everyone in state, state government will be taking a bit of a breath, but um, I'm eager to have conversations with people in the district. We've been through so much uh, through this pandemic, and um, I've heard from so many of you. But I'm eager to I'm eager to hear more about what uh, what we've all been through, um, what we need right now, and where where uh, people in this district feel like we need to go. So I think it's a time of of taking stock, of deep listening, of uh, figuring out where we are, and then having. Um, having conversations, getting some ideas about about what's next. So that'll really be my focus over these next six months. I've already started having conversations, uh, uh, you know, uh, spending time in in coffee shops, uh, listening, and and look forward to more of that as we um, move into the rest of the summer and the fall. All right. Well, thank you for coming in today, not only today, but throughout the legislative session. And if there's anything you need to communicate to your constituents that we could help out with, you're always welcome here. Uh, thanks again, and have a great 4th of July Independence Day weekend. Thanks. I hope, you have, I hope everyone has a, a great 4th weekend, too. Mm-hmm. State Representative Todd Lippert, you're listening to 95.1 FM and AM 1080, KYMN Northfield.